Submission Coalition podcast number 81 with host of Hero Doubt podcast, Kyle Bainbridge. Are we live? Are we going? We're live. We're good. Excellent. We're up and running. All right. Let's do this. All right. Well, welcome to the Submission Coalition podcast. It's easy to read, hard to say. (laughs) It doesn't flow. We, uh, we didn't test that out. When we first came up with the name and we started saying it, we did not test out how well it sounded. Mm. Um, on paper, it looked great. When you look at the definitions of each of the words, we're like, that's amazing. Say it fast. Right. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work out. But you already have a name. You can't change it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to like have an acronym like a SCP. Something cool. A okay. hashtag like that. Right. Something. So anyways, we're with Kyle Bainbridge, and uh, stop it. You're already angsting <laughs> me over here. You can tell um, you guys have been married for a while. <laughs> yeah. And he has his own podcast right. called Heroed Out, and uh, he's graciously letting us play with his uh, equipment, so hopefully our sound sounds so much better than the usual. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice little co- uh, collab, so... Um, yeah, these, this equipment really isn't that expensive, but that, I mean, it does make a big difference, you know, um, when everything's tied together, when you can mix it together. So right. uh, a lot better than Zoom anyways. So give us feedback, guys, if you like it. We're going to be shopping. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that Kyle brings to the table, which is unique, is uh, not only does he have his jiu-jitsu story, um, but... Also, looking at it from a law enforcement standpoint, which mm-hmm. is different than most people, when uh, like my my early training partners were all, all law enforcement, right? And so when when you look at and then I, for lack of a better term, when you look at a civilian using jujitsu and you look at a law enforcement, even day one, the way they look at the knowledge and the information is already different. Mm-hmm. It's very different. You know, then when the other person, when the civilian is coming in and they're looking at jujitsu and they're looking at the techniques and the like, um, I hate to say it, but a lot of them aren't necessarily looking at a real world application. I mean, I think they're looking at it going, I hope I never have to do this and I'm not sure when or where I may actually have to do this. But whereas a law enforcement officer is always looking at it with a completely different lens. I mean, it's. I, I used to hear from my training partners literally saying, "Remember that move we just did last night? Mm-hmm. I did it on shift. You know, the next day." I yeah, mean, and the same way with, um, you know, with firearms. You know, as a civilian, you're hoping you never have to do it. You know, you get your concealed weapons permit, and, and as a cop, you're out there every day, hoping you don't have to use it. But I mean, that's the reality. Is you're probably going to have to. In defensive tactics, um, which is a very poor illustration of jujitsu, um, is that exact thing. Like you're going to put hands on somebody this week. Period. Yeah. See, I, I got. I graduated from the police academy in Stockton, California, in 1991. So UFC hadn't hit the scene. Gracie jujitsu, as as most people knew it, did not exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watched Lethal Weapon or if you were in a heavy martial arts circuit, maybe you knew who the Gracies were, maybe. Mm-hmm. But law enforcement had not adopted anything of that nature. I mean, it would, it would be probably close to at least another decade 
before law enforcement would really grab on to the benefits, maybe even longer. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have any evidence of it, but I think the Rodney King thing definitely didn't help. Which I um, was in the academy. I was literally sitting yeah, in, 91. in my academy class when my TAC officer, uh, Officer Ulring, who ends up becoming chief of police for Stockton, mm -hmm. he walks in, turns on the TV, and goes, life just changed. Yep. And literally, we're watching the live, uh, we're watching the live event. You know, like the live aftermath. The live aftermath. But literally within the minutes of the event, not mm -hmm. not days later. I mean, it, it you know, we're, we're watching the aftermath literally minutes. And he walks in, turns on the TV, and, you know, right there he stopped the class that we were in. And he was like, life just changed. Yeah, I think the, the game changed again with George Floyd because yes. then you started to see, like, when I went through the academy, they still teach, or it was still in the curriculum at the time, um, a rear naked choke. And that wasn't, like, a, a move that was highly popularized or anything, but they put you in it so you can know how it feels. They never taught you how to get out of it, <laughs> um, which is... At least you got to do it. Right. When I was there, we would her arms around another cadet's leg mm -hmm. to put the squeeze on. We never got to put actually test out the choke on somebody's neck. It was literally, we were squeezing each other's thighs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they did have that as well, but they, they wanted us to actually feel how it goes because like you can feel the consciousness leaving you. Right. Um, just to know how deadly that can, not deadly, how um, incapacitating that could be. You know, if you're the cop getting strangled or whatnot, then you're going out. They yeah. can go for your gun, whatever. Right. Um, so it was a completely different uh, mindset shift with that. But when when George Floyd happened, everybody started taking chokes off the thing, and then now you know jujitsu became this taboo thing again. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but you're starting to see a little bit more departments say, "Hey, look, we're seeing all these videos come out of these." these cops using controlling techniques you can get position and control you don't have to submit right you know like yeah i'm capable of that but i'm capable of that without jujitsu right you know like anybody's can watch a ufc thing and do a rear naked choke and you can kill somebody if you you left it on there uh, but knowing what to do and how to get out of that i think that's uh, every cop in the nation needs to have it right yeah for sure well because i think if you have the ability of controlling that opponent, mm -hmm. you're less likely to have to go to the lethal level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, <clears throat> there's a guy on the internet who's saying, um, oh man, I've been a victim of, of police brutality before. Uh, I don't know if I want cops having jujitsu. And this is a guy who trains jujitsu. I'm like, well, think about this. Do you want a, a, a reckless white belt who has no idea what he's doing, like me, um, and go in there and fighting it feels like they're fighting for their life or do you want a tenured guy you know a, an advanced belt person who's been in that same position thousands of times right who's going to be more confident and be able to you know to keep their head under head under control while they're dealing with you so they're like makes sense i'm like yeah it doesn't have to be weaponized i mean anything right. could be weaponized but if that's what they're doing they shouldn't have been a cop in the first place well right. i mean it's one of those things when you think about law enforcement yes they carry a gun Mm -hmm. Okay, that represents such a small fraction of a percentage of what they do. 
yet it becomes a focal point. Mm-hmm. You know, just like in jujitsu, the submission or the ultimate submission, like a rear naked choke or something of that nature, that becomes a focal point. But it represents such an incredibly small micro fraction right. of what jujitsu really is. You know, to, to be honest, and I think I think part of this, I mean, quasi becomes exacerbated by the whole submission only movement. Mm-hmm. To be able to, uh, uh, a person, I was hearing them talk about wrestling, okay, saying, "Well, wrestling's ultimate expression is the pin." Okay, and he goes, "No, no, it's not." He goes. If, if you and I are wrestling, and I pin you in 30 seconds, you're like, oh, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. He goes, but if I tech you. So for those that don't know, within, within wrestling, wrestling has, you can win by uh, minor, which is when the, when the point spread is under a certain amount. You can win by a major, which is when the point spread is over a certain amount. You can win by pin, which is the shoulders going to the mat. Or you can win by a tech fall. Meaning it's like a mercy stoppage. Mm -hmm. The point spread, I think, is 15 points or 16 points. When it goes to that level, the match becomes stopped. He goes, that's the ultimate expression. Like mercy rule. Mercy rule. Mm -hmm. He goes, when I ran the points up so high that at that moment, he goes, you couldn't claim that I got lucky. You couldn't claim. Didn't leave it up to a judge to decide. And you couldn't claim that I just, I caught you in a technique. I controlled you mm-hmm. to the point where the point spread became so great you weren't even in the match. Okay. Truly speaking, is that not potentially the ultimate expression of jujitsu? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean somebody can throw a wild arm bar or something of that nature and yeah, somebody can get caught. I mean, but what about that person who could straight up control another human being without the necessity of a submission and yet control them in such a dominant fashion that you end up with a the equivalent of a wrestling tech fall. I mean Yeah, I mean that that's what I used it for and applied it to because I mean prior to jujitsu or anything like that, you know, most cops only get the forty hour defensive tactics class, which is subpar, as you know. Um and v- very infrequently do anything else unless they're in a specialized unit or on their own. Right. And on their own is very... uh, The individuals that would train on their own would train on their own whether they were law enforcement or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And my own personal experience, having been a martial arts school owner who's been very pro-law enforcement for a long time, the amount of officers I can get to come in and train is extremely minimal. Yeah, and it's sad. Um, and I was one of those people to begin with. I mean, you make every excuse. You don't have time. I don't need this. I've been dealing with you know people on the road for 15 years. I'm still here, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's a lot of ego issues with it, obviously, in law enforcement. It's just par for the course, um, you know, because you can come out here on the mats and a 135-pounder will humble you very quickly. Right. You know, Um <laughs> And I don't think a lot of people can take that, to be honest with you. Well, and, and I've had officers, uh, when we were in California, um, I had officers that came in. His, his uh, daughter trained with us, and he, he did a free month 
with mm-hmm. us. And he trained in other martial arts. You know, so jujitsu was, you know, as a martial artist, he's already trained in other stuff. And that exact scenario. Um, I had a student that I think soaking wet was about 120 pounds. And this guy was about 220 and very, very thick, thick. Mm-hmm. you know, very athletic. Um, and my soaking wet 120 pounder would mop the floor with him. Mm-hmm. And he literally, this was, this was, I mean, this is almost verbatim as much as my memory will allow me. He goes, thank you for the opportunity. I will not continue to train with you guys. He goes, I've never felt so humble and so manhandled in my life. He goes, I can't afford to feel like that. He goes, I need to feel like I'm Superman. Well, then get better. (laughs) (laughs) And so that that was his reason why he wouldn't continue to train because this 120-pound kid was controlling him. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said... uh, um, I know so many that were just like, eh, no, it's just not for me. And I think that there's probably a negative connotation that it relates to karate, not to diss karate or anything like that, but using karate in a, you know, application on the road and stuff versus jujitsu night and day. Yes. Um, Well, and jujitsu fits within the realm of what most people think law enforcement should be doing. For sure. When they see a video of an officer throwing strikes for any reason. Mm-hmm. They, we, we, do, we do periodically, we do, uh, um, we do like a little game, especially with the kids. We say, close your eyes. And then while their eyes are closed, we build a scenario. And then we say, open your eyes. Tell us who's the aggressor. Right. Okay. I didn't give them rules. I didn't tell them anything else. I just said, choose the aggressor. And... 99% of the time, when they open their eyes, the ones who have clenched fists, regardless, they, they don't know anything else. All they have is just what they've seen, and I even give them an eight. But 99% of the time, the one with the clenched fist becomes the aggressor, not who's winning, who's losing, just the clenched fist. And so when you, when, when you see videos of officers trying to do arrests, you know, and they're trying to get them, you know, put the cuffs on and the like, and you're literally seeing them just throwing punches. Yeah, or, or um, muscling through. And then you see another officer run in mm-hmm. and literally just joins in the fray. Right, like a dogfight. And it never looks good. No, optics yeah. is a big part of it. And that's why I, I didn't understand when, like, when I was pitching it uh, to my previous department, I was like, hey, like, <laughs> strikes look bad, you know, and when you're you look like you're losing, it also looks bad. Because then you have to overcompensate, usually. Like, if you're pulling somebody out of a car and you're grabbing them by their wrist and, like, one foot up on the car, it looks ugly. If you wrap them up in a Kimura, you know, to help escort them out of the car, it's going to not only be more effective, but it looks so innocent compared. Because it looks so much more controlled. It is. Because it is controlled. Right. Um, And even with the, you know, if there was a choke that had to be applied and stuff like that, I mean... There's just so many benefits to it, and I don't, <laughs> other than the, the the ego part and the humble, I I don't know how else to tell everybody else that they just need to do it. Just do it, you right? Know, get better. But we we joke even outside of law enforcement, um, mostly with the guys, not so much with the girls. When they come in, mm-hmm. there's a couple things that either happen: either they become fully hooked and involved, and oh, I got to learn more, yeah, or I never want to be put in that position. Or they get scared again. off, right? I never want to feel that helpless again. Mm-hmm. And they go. 
<laughs> yeah, we had, um, and I wish I knew this at the time. The guy okay. that um, I was a, I was his training officer, and I, and this was ten years ago. So like jujitsu was on the scene, but it wasn't popular right. like it is today. And he was already a blue belt, and I had no idea, and I didn't know this story until much later. But when he came through training, one of the guys that I was on SWAT with was known for, you know, being pretty well built and being able to take care of himself. And um, my trainee at the time, who's now a black belt, who was a blue belt then, mopped the floor with this guy. And, like, the whole class was in awe, you know, because he's some lanky guy. And I'm just like, I heard the story 10 years later when I was out there at training. I'm like, this is exactly why we need it. You know, like, it doesn't matter what you look like or how strong you are or anything else. Like, it's, it's a game changer. Right. It really is a game changer. It's an equalizer, you know. Well, I mean, it, it, it truly is. I mean, there's there's memes out there right now about, you know, these are the guys that the average person fears, mm -hmm. and they look like the big bodybuilder types. Right. And then, you know, the next one is, and the, these are the guys that, you know, real fighters, you know, fear. And it, now it's guys like, you know, Ryan Hall and, you know, and, and you know, they, they're these skinny, lanky you know, guys that you wouldn't have. Like, if you, if you took the average person, put them in a room, and said, pick the biggest threat in this room, mm -hmm. they're not the ones you pick. Right. Right. There's yeah. not. I mean, You're seeing that a lot with UFC, it, but what they don't show you is that 115-pound female. That's the one you really need to be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Christian, people underestimate him all the time. Yeah. We've had people flat out go, he looks like he should be doing my taxes. Right. But not a professional fighter. Yeah. Because he doesn't have that look. Hey, Other than better. the cauliflower ears, but, you know, universal warning sign. Yeah, you, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good in law enforcement. That's good on the street. Like, I want somebody to underestimate me because they're going to look for the biggest, baddest, you know, threat. So I don't want to be that. I don't want to seem like that. You know what I mean? Well, and that, that's also one of the things that tends to happen with uh, people in general. Um, people give a a false level of respect simply because a person is really tall or mm -hmm. large or something of that nature. Um, when I hate to say it, the reality is, yeah, that person may be impressive, but they'll only be impressive for you know a specific situation right. or uh, a specific amount of time. You know, And then once you take them out of that situation, they actually become one of the easier people to... Uh, manhandle or to, to 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 operate against yeah and it, i mean with the height thing everybody's intimidated by height but once you're on the ground you're all the same height and the majority of right. the fights go to the ground anyway well and I, I, I again I, i'm speaking from my my own experience other people may i mean most of the people that, that i compete against and like are usually larger than me now granted right. these are people who have dedicated a lot of their time to actually training Right. And they are dangerous. Right. I mean, they're they're very skilled individuals. So yeah, as a larger individual, I mean, when 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 they're moving, you know. But when I go with people who haven't trained, right? You know, like I said, they're strong for a little bit. But the part I've always found is that that smaller individual really had to put a lot of effort in mm -hmm. to be able to get the the accolades that they've got. That larger individual, and this may be something that other people may disagree with, but hey, you know, again, I'm just going based on my observation. When they're that large, 
the respect that they're given and the like is based off a perception. Mm -hmm. And that person tends to not train to the same level if they train at all. Simply because, you know, what's the, you see big guy, hey, why don't you come be a bouncer? Right. Yeah, yeah with zero training or zero the, anything, you know. Yeah. The person who's a bouncer that's, uh, you know, 175 pounds, uh, that person probably has a lot more backing them in that scenario than the 280-pound, six-foot-five. Linebacker, right. Right. Yeah, you know, that's a deterrent is what that is. Unless right. they're, you know, they've trained and those people are seriously deadly. But Correct. Uh, and, and, and that becomes a major factor is that when they train, mm -hmm. but I find that a lot of them don't. Simply because their size has always been the deterrent. Not right. a lot of people would step up to go against them. But when they do, yeah, when they do, um, that person now, when, when they've stepped up against that big individual, see, they've already made the assessment. They, they already said, yeah, let's give this a go. And that's a different individual. Mm -hmm. the, the one that's willing to look past that first layer of you're not intimidating me just because you're bigger, that now is a dangerous individual. Yeah, and that's what you're going to find, you know, cops find on the road all the time. Like, there's a lot of places and a lot of people, the majority of people respect cops, you know. So unless they're high on something or drunk on something or whatever, like, the cops really don't have to, it's that same mentality. Right. Like, hey, the majority of the stuff I'm dealing with, I don't have to worry about or train. It's for the people that you bet. Have one, zero respect for you. The one that will step up. Yeah, that's what you need to train it's for. It's a different mentality. Mm -hmm. Just like the same person that would step up against that six foot five person, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're stepping into it with a different mentality than that person is used to dealing with. Yeah, yeah and it makes all the difference. A hundred percent of the difference. You know, if if somebody comes at you like a dog, you know, everybody looks at a dog, and they're like, if they're aggressive, oh man, like I don't want to mess with that dog. That dog's eighty pounds. You know, imagine if that dog was 200 pounds and it right. was human and had opposing thumbs, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that same attitude. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, uh, doesn't make any sense. That's why it's like, you guys got to train, man. Like, do it on your own. Do do it wherever. It doesn't have to be here. It could be anywhere. Yeah. Just do something. Well, we used to we used to joke back in the day that, I mean, in the early, my, my training partners were mostly law enforcement um, or they were connected to the other side. We used to, we used to joke, cops, cops and thugs. Right. It was, it was, you know, you were on one, one side or the other. You were either a law enforcement officer connected to law enforcement or were very pro-law enforcement. Or, or the exact opposite. Or you were on the opposite side. Um, you know, and, and for those that don't think that the other guys are training. Oh, yeah. You're naive if you think that. Yeah. I mean, Actually, that, I, think, I think they're training harder than yeah, law enforcement. Yeah, way well, harder. Their their freedom really, you know, depends on it. That's why you always see, like, the stereotype of the guys in, in jail. They got nothing but time and a motive. Right. You know, um, and the motive might not be to, you know, beat the cop's ass or whatever, but that, that factor of, oh, shit, I don't want to mess with this guy, like, they might slide by or not right. pull him over or something like that. It is part of the tactic. You know, to avoid law enforcement, also. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, if if that's the life that you're living, and you're not fit, you won't be in that life long. No, it's a dog eat dog world. 
<laughs> and unfortunately, again, going based off of you know just a few, they seem to take that much more serious mm-hmm. than because I mean I hate to say it, but I mean I hear it from a lot of law enforcement officers that they won't do the extra work unless their department's paying for it. Oh yeah, yep. That makes no sense to me. It's a it's a it's a poor mindset. That makes it's no sense to me at all. I won't lose weight unless my doctor pays for right i won't yeah i won't benefit myself i won't strengthen myself i won't educate myself unless i'm rewarded for it right yeah that's unfortunately that is commonplace um and that's a culture thing now i do agree i think as part of the job i think that continued training mm-hmm. should be part of it. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I'm not taking away any ownership off of the departments and the like. That being said, though. You need to invest in yourself. You got to invest in yourself. You you are, I mean, what you bring to the table every single day. Mm-hmm. And you're entering yourself into, imagine a fighter who says, I'm not going to train, you know, I'm just going to fight. Right. What kind of success do you really think they're going to have? Zero. Zero. Yeah, it's like I, the first time that I get exposed to a, a triangle or something like that, I don't want that to be in a real life scenario, right. you know, or any of that. You know, you get the rear naked choke, half rear naked choke in the uh, in the academy. If that's getting applied at full force in a real world situation, uh, that better not be your first time. Right. You know, I don't care who it is. It could be a 12-year-old. So I graduated from the academy. Uh, again, uh, I never worked as a law enforcement officer. So I graduated from the academy. There were no jobs. I didn't take that back. There were jobs in areas I did not want to work. You know, again, Rodney King. Like Stockton. Everything else. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, didn't want to work in Southern California. No. Didn't want to work in Stockton. Um, the turnover rates were really, really high. So I was way more selective. Okay. Now, that being said, you know, I, I meet Caesar Gracie through my instructor, Eric Shingu. Mm-hmm. And here's Caesar going, you know, who knows this choke? Now, the name he was throwing out, Matalea, I didn't know the lion tamer. I didn't know, you know, he goes, well, you know, Rear naked choke, carotid restraint, whatever. And I'm like, oh, dude. Neck that, restraint, right guy. I'm like, I'm I got this, man. I mean, <laughs> I felt that on my thigh in the academy. Yeah, I know man. how to do this and apply it, right? <laughs> so so Caesar comes out. I'm one of the bigger guys in the room. I'm not the tallest guy in the room, but I'm one of the bigger guys in the room. I mean, I'm at the at the moment, I was probably about 220. Um, and uh, so he kneels down, lifts his chin up in the air. Leaves his hands at his side. I wrap my wrap my hands around his neck. Zero defense, and he gave me sixty seconds. I I'll be honest with you. I do not know how he did not tap. Mm. I have no clue. Wasn't his first time. Wasn't his first time. But I also know the pressure that I was putting on his neck, even if the choke was not, which it wasn't. I had no real choke. Mm-hmm. I was off. I was putting pressure in areas that weren't collapsing the windpipe or the carotid. It was uncomfortable, I'm sure. He had to have been extremely uncomfortable. 
my arms were jello at the end. Oh, that. I mean, jello. I mean, that's. I mean, I was. I was giving it to him. I mean, you know, <laughs> big kudos, big props to Caesar again. The uh, what he had to have been feeling inside in that moment with the amount of pure let this clock run out pain. quick. <laughs> right. No, but he didn't. He didn't tap. Right. And then he goes, "My turn." So I sat down. You get three seconds. He put <laughs> one hand around my neck, put the other hand behind his back. And again, I'm not defending. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling loopy, yeah, within like three to five yeah, seconds. Seeing stars already. But it was so impressive to me, though, because like I said, I mean, I, 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 I learned the mechanics of the movement. Never had it done to me, mm-hmm. never did it to anybody else. Thought I had it, and legit, I squeezed for everything I was worth. And again, I'm very surprised. Imagine my shock if that was a real fight. Well, imagine it on top of that, the guy being high on methamphetamine and impervious to pain or cocaine or whatever, um, and amped up and naked and greasy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's the real stuff. But you, all the nogi people out there were like, yes, yeah, yeah, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Katrina for this. No collar chokes for me. Yeah, but I mean, that's a reality. And then they get so reliant on like other weapon systems and stuff, and they see a taser, like you've seen videos where a taser fails. And you're like, oh shit, like that's all I've been training for. What do I do next? You're going to bust out this little rinky dink baton that isn't going to do anything but get taken from you. And you know what I mean? Like, you, even if, even if you applied a perfect choke, like, unless they passed out, it's, it might not work. But, um, joint manipulation, everything else, the body can only move so many different ways. It might not hurt them, right. but you can still control that person in a nonviolent manner. That's what, I mean, that's what the beauty of, of jujitsu is for me mm-hmm. in that law enforcement stuff is it, it's not violent. Yeah. It's, right. the, it's the antithesis of violent. It's actually. all control. Yeah. You could do strikes from that, and that's what you see in MMA, but jujitsu doesn't involve strikes. And it weren't, you know, for the people out there that um, have never been or anything like that, like we're not making people pass out on the mats. Like that's not that's no. not the game. It's a sport. I, actually, I, I personally think that you're kind of dumb. If, oh yeah. If you are allowing in training, some I mean, now granted, if if somebody catches a choke on me or the like, I you can make them work for it. Well, I'm I'm at a point with my knowledge base where, you know. Where, where I'm tapping to that choke, you know, is way deeper right. than, than what your typical white belt, blue belt, you know, and the like are tapping to. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm, again, I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying this is just typically what ends up happening as people progress through the sport. You've been in that position thousands of And you start to times. understand yeah. where the, that limit the, is. Right. And, and what the realities are. As, mm-hmm. I, as I talk, you know, most people have a complete misconception of where is discomfort and where is actual threat of injury. Right. The, to them, they're the same line. And so they tap to what they feel as discomfort. And the more they train, the more they find those lines separate dramatically. I mean... Well, your confidence builds, too. And I think that's the important part of jiu-jitsu, um, especially for law enforcement, is is to continue to do that in 
you know, contact people because yeah, you're touching people on the road and stuff in real life scenarios. But a lot of that is kind of like when you're rolling and there's a, a scramble, like it might be luck of the draw who gets what, and you don't even know what you're doing. So, it, you know, increasing your knowledge base to shoot for that underhook or to lower your hips or things like that. You just don't get anywhere else. Right. You know? Even when we're teaching the kids, a uh, big focus is, Whenever they you know they start crying or whatever, is are you hurt or are you injured? Exactly. We need to identify which it which it is. Are you hurt or are you injured? Mm-hmm. And having them understand the difference is a huge part of self defense for them. Oh yeah. Um, if you're hurt, you're gonna suck it up and you're gonna move forward. If you're injured, we're gonna address it because mm-hmm. then then it's something real that we need to you know take it a step further. Right. Yeah. No. It, it's the same thing. Um, like when I was on SWAT all the time, uh, they'd say. Anybody injured at the end of the day, right? Anybody hurt? No, everybody's hands go up because, you know, they've been running through the mud right. and, you know, you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just life. I mean, if you got into a real fight, you, their chances are you're going to get injured right. in some fashion. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's you need stitches or, or whatever. But uh, to drive it home, I, that doesn't, you don't need that to be the first place that you experience that real, right. Right. Um, you know, threat. Well, then you hear from other people that are like, you know, hey, it gets better. Right. No, it doesn't. Right. That, that, if you go to the gym to lift weights, unless your only goal is to lift the same weights every day, yeah, it gets better. Mm-hmm. If you're always pushing for 1% more, it never gets better. It never gets easier. Right. Because the struggle is always pushing to the same, you know, yes, I can lift more than I did back then. Yes, I can run farther than I did back then. Yes, I can run faster than I did back then. But because you're always striving for 1% more, that's a, that's a ratio, that's a percentage. So before, 1% didn't equal that much. Yeah, you're going to get beyond that bell curve. In, Today, yeah. one, to be 1% better, you have to push further. Mm-hmm. So the discomfort doesn't get easier. The discomfort doesn't go away. You know, it, it's always, the, you know, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't get easier. Your ability to mentally handle that push becomes stronger. But the push itself, if your goal is to always get better, the push never gets easier. Yeah, I always liken it whether it's in sports or jujitsu or weightlifting or, you know, you want to be a world record holder in pushups, like you're going to need to keep doing the same thing over and over right. and over. It's relentless. And, and it's never like it, the journey doesn't end. Like there is no end game. You, you both are black belt instructors now. It hasn't stopped. No. If anything, it, it, gets it, harder. it not only gets harder, <laughs> I think you probably have more of a push to do it now because you've achieved that that ranking or whatever, and you're like, well, now we got to see how far we can take it. Exactly. You know. Well, like, uh, I'm trying to think who who was was it Muhammad Ali um, or Schwarzenegger? One one of those two. Maybe maybe been Ali, where they were asking him, going, well, you know, like, how many sit-ups do you do? He was like, I don't know, maybe like, fifty or hundred or what? I can't remember if he actually put out. And like, that's it. And he goes, yeah, but I don't start counting till it hurts. Right. So if it 
takes a thousand to get to that level. I mean, when the growth starts happening, it's that's uncomfortable. That's the part. So it's like, he's like saying, I mean, like, like legit, I don't even start counting until I hit that point of being uncomfortable mm-hmm. that that's now when it matters. And so, you know, when, when you're just beginning, that may have been 10. Right. You know, and so now everything after that 10 is extra. Mm-hmm. And after you've been doing it for a while, I mean, shoot, what's, uh, what's Goggins doing? Yeah, exactly. I mean. Stupid stuff. Thousands. Right. Yeah. When I mean, running forever. Right. Like, so for him. <laughs> where do you stop? For him to reach a point where it now feels above and beyond, mm-hmm. like, how much work did he have to do to get to that level? Right. I mean, and that's why I say it never gets easier, you know, because now to what you have to do to get to the point now where you feel it's above and beyond, if you're always doing your best and you're always doing that 1% more, trying to go for that 1% growth, always feels the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I said this um, before in one of my podcasts, like the, the more time I did in law enforcement, I'm sure you guys can relate to jujitsu, but the more... I did in law enforcement, like the longer I was there, the more I realized I didn't know. Like, and it's ever evolving, right. just like jujitsu. Um, you know, you guys come from some a very old school jujitsu, and now people are doing weird, you know, <laughs> stuff that wasn't ever around before. But if you didn't keep up with it, you'd right. fall off the side, you know. Um, and I think that's that's another thing that um, deters law enforcement or just a Type A personality in general is it takes forever to rank up like everybody's so um well you're playing a long game for sure yeah it's a it's it's, a long road it's not it's not a short term you know there's no three-year black belt like a karate thing right well unless you're like a kyotera or (laughs) right yeah but i mean like it if you're gonna make it to the nfl you're gonna make it to the nfl exactly you know like most people who play football don't and that will be a very small percentage right yeah, so I, and I think that that deters them, you know, because they want quick results. Just this generation right. in general <laughs> want that quick result, and you're not going to get that. But you're going to get better. You're going to get better every single day. Right. Um, I, I guarantee you, your first week, your first most places are doing a free week. Your first week, five hours w- worth on the mat here is worth ten years on the road that you oh, get yeah. Yeah. Uh, from defensive tactics. So I mean. The, the growth is exponential, but I, that, that long road, I think, deters some people. Well, and then, like I tell people, then, then I think it goes a step beyond. I mean, every competition that you go into is, yet again, a leap above just being on the mats mm-hmm. learning. You know, yeah, people say, well, I only grappled 15 minutes total time if right. you add up all the matches. Okay? But what I say to people is, what it what it did for you is it shifted your mindset. It took you from I'm just learning mm-hmm. to now I'm learning with purpose, mm-hmm. and I'm learning with a tangible goal, and I'm learning with a tangible date. Right. You know, and that changes a per, the way a person trains. You know, then after the competition is over, those who are truly those who truly went for the win, even in the loss, because I hate the phrase, uh, you know, you either win or you learn. I hate mm-hmm. that phrase. Absolutely hate it. 
okay? Because it, it implies that only the loser learns, okay? And that's that's inherently wrong, right? Okay, so you're telling me that when two people come down to a narrow split decision, that the winner does not go back and reflect on the match or anything else. Hopefully. And at the same time, I know a lot of people that lost that the moment they're like the referee, um, you know, this, all the externals that they don't control at all contributed to their loss and they don't see that anything that they did as being able to be done differently. I'm sorry, but you did not learn in the process. Right. As long as all your excuses are about all the things that you didn't control, then so there are people who learn and win or learn learn and have lost. There are people who win and still learn. And there are people who lost and won't learn a thing off of that match. That's mentality. That's it's mentality. It Most people, I think, just just doing that competition is probably equal to about a good couple weeks mm-hmm. of regular training, you know, in a class or maybe even maybe even a little bit more than that. Because of the shift it makes in their mindset, not just for that match, but for everything that they do after. You know, that now when they're training, they start to go, you know what? I should probably push a little bit further than I did. You know, that now I'm realizing that where I was at and what competition felt like. And competition is not fighting. Right. Competition as an officer, competition, that's not the same thing. Right. When an officer has an actual resisting individual, that, that's that's a level above even what's going to happen in competition. Yeah, there are no rules. I mean. And, and it might be a fight for your life. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to involve weapons. No. You know, and that's, that's the beauty of it. I think that. Um, you know, like I said before, that cops have been re- reliant too much on these other weapons, and you are the weapon, you right. know, and your mind is the weapon. Um, too many people just want to do the bare minimum to right. get by, Right. period. Like the guys that say, oh, if they're not paying me for it, I'm not going. Or if I can't go to that place and get half off, I'm not going to go eat there or whatever. You Like bare minimum, it's because they're comfortable and they're right. lazy. Uh, that's what it boils down to, to me. Um, and I've been in seasons like that myself, you know, where you make excuses for everything. Oh, yeah. um, it, you're human, and if you haven't had that, you're not human. Uh, but there does need to become a point where you need to have the why. And those people in competition that, that learn from something, their why is next time. Right. Or if the guys that didn't learn anything, they didn't come in with a why. You know? Well, I mean, I, I greatly went... When we have uh, the ladies that come in for self-defense class and things of that nature, or people, when, when, uh, when you talk to them, they say, well, why, why do you do this? And they're like, well, I want to learn how to defend myself. I go, then let's compete. Mm-hmm. Because you need something that's going to take you to that next level. Class does, not, class does not feel the same as competition. Competition does not feel the same as a fight. But at the same time, you need as close of an experience as you can get that still keeps you safe, but lets you really comprehend where are you at in your skill and does it actually serve the purpose you think it did. I think competition mimics a a little bit of the adrenaline dump Yeah, Mm -hmm. that you don't get in class time normally. Yeah, a little bit of a (laughs) mid-go-hijack for sure. But, but, but even then, it's different, though, because the competition, you know where, you know when, 
And then as the competition comes, you also know the who. Yeah. Yeah, you know none of that in the, real world. Right. in the real world. You're you're having to look at it and say, is this the time? I don't know. It, it may be. It may not be. But at least having experienced that adrenaline dump, at least having to experience a person now who is not there for your advancement. They're not there for your purpose of drilling or getting better or anything else. They are there to impose their will upon you for the next five, ten minutes, whatever is the duration of the match. Yeah, that pure and simple. That equal and opposite force against you means the world. Like you can roll out here and yeah, you're gonna get exhausted and stuff like that, but a lot of that is play and hasn't been trained, you know, to that specific goal. If you come to me and say, Hey, I wanna lose weight. We're going to need a more narrow goal than that. Right. That's the same thing, I think, with I want to defend myself in a fight. What kind? Right. You know, and, and how, how much are you willing to get to that point? How much are you willing to put in to do that? Right. Yeah. And having those narrowed goals is way more important than those broad goals because you'll never hit them. Right. You know, you, you don't know what you're aiming at. Well, and then you don't know, I mean, how do you gauge your progress? Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if you, I mean, if it's just a general, I mean, I can, I can, I can starve you and make you hit a weight goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. But was it to hit a goal and still be athletically peak? Right. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you want to lose 30 pounds, I can make you lose 30 pounds. I can make you lose 30 pounds of muscle or we can make you lose fat and gain muscle they're two completely different things, but they they both hit the same original goal. Right. I just want to lose weight. I want to, I want to lose thirty pounds. Yeah, yeah what, but the results are they're very different. Very different. They're very different. And if you don't have that structure, if you don't know that, then which one are you achieving? Mm-hmm. Neither, right. probably. Right. Well, more than likely, you're probably doing the, the easier one. That's one. the right. easier one, which yeah, is just sure. pure weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, any anybody can starve themselves. It's like it's like same thing going. Yeah, well, I want to get stronger, or or you know, I I did a uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a rant, but I did like a, it's about a ten minute video I did uh, uh, about a year or so ago, where you know again, people come in and they roll and they go, oh man, I need to get more, I need to get stronger, I need to get more cardio, I need to get whatever. Like, no, you don't, not now. Right. Later you will. That's fine tuning. Later you will. Mm-hmm. Right now, what you need to do is learn what it is that you intend on doing. If if I'm a race car driver, okay, and I've never driven a race, I've never, you know, so you drop me in a car I've never been in, put me on a track I've never done, and I've never raced. You're going to hit the wall, buddy. And when I wipe out on the first <laughs> corner, mm-hmm. do I go, I need more horsepower? Not likely. No, not likely. In that moment... I was the issue. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to use any of the tools I already had. I, I, I actually don't even know how to make an assessment of was my car good or not. The likelihood is if it was operational, okay, you come to the you come to it with a little bit of knowledge. Okay. Think you kind of know cars. Mm-hmm. You don't know them greatly, but you know enough to know whether or not the wheels are falling off. 
you know enough to know when you're when you're driving it if the motor is acting up or things of that nature. So you have a little bit of knowledge. But when I wiped out on that first corner, yeah, that was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless I can truly say that my car had issues going in. The issue was But you're the biggest factor for I'm sure. the biggest factor. I didn't know how to manage those resources. You know, the car, I mean, I used to have a little uh, Porsche 914. Okay. 100 horsepower at its best, maybe less, maybe closer to 90 horse, okay? If you went out and wiped out on the corner, okay, the likelihood is getting more horsepower makes you wipe out faster. Horsepower, right? I mean, you're driving along, it was not knowing how fast I was going, not knowing the line I should take through the corner, not knowing, again, if you should have been braking, which... You know, in most cases, you do all your braking before the corner. You don't brake in the corner. When you're accelerating on the way out, things of that nature, how to hold a drift if you're drifting, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And that's all knowledge that you have to do by doing. Then you can make the assessment and say, yeah, at this point in time, better suspension's probably more what I need, mm-hmm. not more horsepower. And that becomes part of the, if you just say I want to lose weight, that's fantastic, but you may be robbing yourself of the real goal, of the real thing. You know, again, you wiped out on the first corner. Horsepower is not going to be the solution. Right. Going hotter into the corner is not going to help you. It, but you, yeah. So in law enforcement, especially like in that circle, they always say like, "Hey, more tools for your toolbox." Same thing. But you already have the tools. You just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, use them. You know, if you get into that Porsche and you've never driven a car you're going to have a hard time, right? you know, even if it's been sitting in your driveway for three years. Or even if you've never driven aggressively right. like that. Yeah. You've driven the car. I'm sorry, but driving on four is not the same as, as driving a track. Yeah, absolutely. And I can, uh, personal story, going through motor school, same kind of thing. Anybody who's gone through police motorcycle school will tell you the same thing. Like, most people can get on a bike and go from point A to point B, you know, the house to the bar kind of thing. But then you start riding like these rodeo guys and doing tight circles and maneuvers and figure eights and stuff like that. Like you're still, you are operating at a foundational level and now you've just enhanced your skills. That's what I think jujitsu is uh, from that defensive tactics. Cause they do teach you some basic stuff, drop your base right. and some, you know, very minor takedown stuff. Um, but that, I mean, it doesn't even scratch the surface. Like it's the, not even the iceberg tip of what you need to have. Not even like what you're capable of learning, what you need to have right. to apply to your everyday job. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just so many techniques that yeah, I throw all the other stuff in the garbage, like OC spray, the baton. I don't need any of that. Right. Nobody, nobody needs that crap. Like it's, it's not beneficial to anybody. Every time I've seen OC used, the the suspect is not the only one who gets hit. Yeah. There's right. usually friendly right. fire. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we tell the ladies during um, at the self defense class. I'm like, do you, does anybody carry mace or pepper spray or anything like that? And they're all like, oh yeah. I said. Have you tried spraying something? Right. Well, that's why they expose <laughs> you. You yeah. know, in the law enforcement world, they expose you because if it's used, you're you're going for the ride with it. Yep. So now, now, when 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 you did that, what was that experience like? Hell. But but <laughs> it now, wasn't but, fun. But what, but but what did they have you do though? Like after the after they put it on you, after they applied it. So when I first started, it was basically 
just a swab, you know, just to expose you to the, the uncomfort. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, somebody got the idea of, well, if you get sprayed, like, that's a, doesn't mean, like, in scene, like, right. that's in the middle of a fight. So then they started integrating some stuff where you're using other weapons or striking or that kind of thing. And even that's a 30-second deal. Right. But you're experiencing that, um, the effects of the OC for 30 minutes, right. you know, in, in a real-life fight, like, you're going to experience it for 30 minutes. You know? Right. So uh, imagine you're in that environment. And they they apply it, spray you, whatever. But mm -hmm. with mine, mine was a rag that they that yeah. they wiped. Um, now that was a very saturated right. rag. Um, so I mean, I know, I know, I I mean, all over my face, eyes, nostrils, mouth, everything. I mean, the whole thing got hit. But now imagine that as part of your training, you do that, and now you get somebody resisting you. Oh yeah, get somebody in physically fighting you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I didn't have to do anything. I got I got wiped with the wiped with the rag. Yeah, this is kind of dumb. Um, we we're at the top of some stairs, and then like as soon as you were done, sweated out a little you bit. Walk, get into your eyes. You walk you walk down the stairs, mm -hmm. um, which like I said, I mean that that part wasn't hard because it, it usually hit by the time you were at the bottom of the stairs. I mean like really hit. Mm -hmm. But then we didn't do anything. We just we you know it, it's kind of exposure. It's comical that I mean here you have you know fifty cadets roaming around the field with snot rockets coming out of their <laughs> nose, you know, and they're like, Ugh, you know, and look like look like zombies. Out I the think field. part of that's tradition. But hazing. <laughs> yeah. But imagine though, I mean, the the fact that you pepper sprayed somebody means you were you're in a scenario that it's it's escalating. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be more interesting to do that and then make them fight, make them make them get into a grappling match at least. Yeah. So so that's the cool thing about um, jujitsu that I I've heard a lot of you know advanced people that they really focus on the fundamental principle of jujitsu being connection, and you'll have some advanced guys like you guys could do to me or anybody here pretty much. Fight with your eyes closed or yeah, grapple yeah. with your eyes closed because you're feeling your way through it. Right. Well, you can do that under pepper spray. Yes. It, it's still going to suck. Oh, exactly. But you can feel where the other person is and you can literally get dominant positions and hold people without even seeing. Right. There, there's blind grapplers. Oh, yeah. You know? But it also affects your breathing. Yeah. So now even when you're in great position, your breathing has to be moderated because mm -hmm. you don't want to be huffing in this this big... Right. You know, and, and, and so I, I think, I think especially as a learning tool, I think it would be a little bit more apropos to, you know, because like I said, when, when we got wiped with it, we didn't have to do anything. Right. We didn't even have to do a PT thing or anything else. We literally just walked around the field until it was done. Um, you know, now I see stuff where they're hitting them with it and then they're making them do like an obstacle course or hit some bags mm -hmm. or, or something of that nature. But now imagine you're, you're as blind as the perp that you think you hit, right. you know, and unfortunately, we've, we've seen videos where, like, one of my all-time favorite cringe-worthy video is two officers involved trying to restrain another individual, and a third officer comes in. Just douses everybody. And thro <laughs> throws a rear-naked choke on one of the other officers. There you go. I had a boy. <laughs> I mean. That's and, called going in the black. I mean, <laughs> 
I mean, total amygdala hijack right there. Right. I mean, so imagine now you're in that scenario. Your your senses are now shot. Mm-hmm. Your your vision is hampered. You know, you're and that moment the adrenaline is fully kicked in. Your breathing is now hampered because your lungs are either burning from having inhaled some of this stuff. And now you're in this physical altercation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that would be a very uh, interesting part of of a training scenario. Now, Melissa hated it because every time I would come home, my clothing was... Oh, so yeah. the first time he comes home and his, all his shit's in a duffel bag and he plops it in the laundry room. Oof. You know, and I go to do laundry later and I, I put the stuff in and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm on fire. And Dave goes, oh, yeah, by the way. And then you go take a shower a couple hours later and you hit it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or or we didn't separate the laundry. Oh, boy. And so, now we were doing uh, mostly CS. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more of a crystalline structure, non, non-soluble. Yeah. Um, and we were doing, like, a lot of our drills were being done in a, in a <clears> room <throat> or in a house that is only used for that. So mm-hmm. the the amount of residue that's I got in there, lit up. I mean, it's, <laughs> Just doing laundry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've had the unique experience versus most cops uh, being on SWAT where they expose you to, you know, some other ordinances and stuff like that. And, um, like, the, the CS in a like canister when it's micro-pulverized in there. Oh, it's yeah. like fog. You can't even see your, yep. your hand yep. in front of your face. It's miserable. Yeah, so we didn't, uh, pepper spray was just hitting the scene, so mostly we were using CS, whether in, uh, like if we were doing a, a, a room or a house scenario, it was uh, smoke or uh, water vapor, mm-hmm. and then if we were, like the spray would be actual water with the with the crystals in it, right. things of that nature. Yeah. yeah, now what they're carrying is a mixture of OC and CS together, which is right. not fun. That's what, that's <laughs> that was the, yeah, that that's not fun. Yeah. That's not, I'd rather get tased a hundred times than get proceeded <laughs> again. Like I never carried it. It was right. like, it's not even effective on dogs. Like well, <laughs> the only one that's going to hurt is me. Right. And I'm not okay with that. <laughs> so we're running out of time. I want to make sure we get to touch basis on your podcast. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, me and a buddy that w- was in law enforcement as well, just started a podcast um, called heroed out. Um, basically just, it started off, it's just a hobby, but it started off like basically just tired of the bullshit, um, you know, with, with society hating on cops and stuff like that. Like most people don't realize, well, the, the cop haters, I should say, don't realize uh, all the shit that first responders go through. And it's not just cops. It's now nurses and teachers, right. and that's been exacerbated over COVID. So we just kind of wanted to have some unadulterated um discussions that nobody else is really you know talking about or or really saying and it's just kind of get ignored and pushed to the wayside so um that's just a fun little hobby that we created and um you know helps get the message out you know sharing stuff that's uh purposeful for life like jujitsu and um reading and physical health and mental health and you know just overall trying to be a better person you know that for everybody um so that's that's really the purpose of it, um, but it's yeah it's on every uh, platform, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, you name it, it's out there. Um, so yeah, it's also at uh, herodout.com, h-e-r-o-d out.com, um, and yeah, appreciate it. 
Yeah, I've listened to a couple of the uh, of the podcasts so far, and you guys have, have a real great um, like the uh, the mix mm-hmm. of some of the guests. Like you know, like for us, it's it's almost always been jujitsu based. Right. Um, for you guys, it's been a little bit more open. Um, you know, because the 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 purview of what you guys are looking at, you know, like you said, some of it mental health, physical health, social um, issues, social issues, yeah. things of that nature. Because um, that's the one part that I think that most people don't truly comprehend. You know, when they do their job and they clock out, mm-hmm. they're done. They're gone. Right. They they go home, and maybe they bitch about their job or their boss or whatever for an hour after they get home or anything else. Um, but most of your Leos and most of your actual first responders, there's, there is no true clocking out. No. I mean, yeah. No, getting removed from it. I mean, military, nursing, I mean, especially like on-call nurse, like that's the life you live. Real, real right. estate, realtors, like they're consumed with their job. Right. And their job might not be dangerous, but it could be. Same thing with a teacher, same thing with a nurse, just like that, that hypervigilance. Um, and that plays a huge toll on you. Um, and that, I mean, it did on me. Like, you're always on alert. I mean, even checking the mail, uh, the mailbox. Like, there's been, you know, not hits, but there's been um, people st- said that they were going to, you know, do something to me personally right. or, you know, a buddy and stuff like that. Like, it does never end. Yeah, like, well, 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 I'm off the clock right now. It, right. right. <laughs> like, can I, can, hold on, time out. Right. Can we, can we uh, time back in when I get there? Right. Imagine a person who worked at Starbucks, mm-hmm. you know, having a, a client that came in that got upset because you made your coffee wrong and then going, I'm going to see you at your house tonight. Or, yeah, run into Publix later with your family with the same person. Right. Like, it's a totally different beast. I mean, you know, it, it yeah, it, um, it definitely takes its toll. Like, I've compared it to military and stuff like that. Like, when you, you know, you go over go overseas and go to war. And I've never been. Uh, but I can only imagine that you're in, when you're in war, your alert system is always going. And then when you come home, you... Some people have a harder time than others, but right. for the most part, they're not in that same environment that they were, even if they feel like they are. But as a cop, usually you work where you you live or very close, um, so you really don't kind of you don't get that reprieve, right? You know, so you've always kind of be on alert. Well, then there's 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 some jobs that like Melissa and I used to talk about this. There's some jobs you go to that every day is a refresh. Mm-hmm. Every day is a brand new day. Yeah. You know, the, the the projects I'm working on today, the, the potentially the clients I'm dealing with today or the like, when I clock out, I'm done. And when I come back tomorrow, it's it's literally a brand new day. Mm-hmm. Then you have the other jobs. They're a little bit more uh, long-term goal-oriented or even right. to where you're working on a project to where the issue that I left today will be waiting for me when I come back tomorrow, okay? And that's that, that's in a lot of just gen- general businesses. Mm-hmm. But again, when I clock out, I get to remove myself from it and like, and then I'll be back tomorrow and I'll pick up where I left off. But the stresses of yesterday are my stresses of today and potentially are my stresses of tomorrow. From three years ago. Right. You know. Compared to the job where, you know, where literally 
when I'm done, I'm done. Like when I worked in the movie theater, you know, when when I was done for the day and I came back tomorrow, it was literally a brand new day. Nobody. Yeah, cared you about might have it. had stressful days and stuff, but you you probably didn't have any traumatic Correct. days. Then, then, like I said, then you get into the job where now uh, we we work on you know a deadline. Now, I'm work, the stuff I'm doing today will affect me eight weeks in you know for right. the future or tomorrow or the like. Then you get into that realm where you get into law enforcement or nurses or the like, where something happens today that could truly, I mean, just completely sit on your mind. Um, change the whole tra- trajectory of your life your whole life i yeah. mean and and it's something that it's part of your job see now when, when most of the other people they think oh i've got a hard job no you don't yeah exactly no it, you even don't. if it's uh laborious like, if it, it might if be hard work but your your boss yells at you or something of that nature but you didn't have to go pick up a a, a dead child right you know and then be hampered in the scenario you know who did it, but you can't touch them, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. Or the nurse that has to in an emergency room or a doctor or whatever that literally has to see these things, and they can't turn that off right. at 5 o'clock when they go home. Mm-hmm. And they can't turn that off when they go to bed. And they can't turn that off. Now, other people may say, well, I've experienced things of that nature, but generally speaking, you didn't experience it as part of your job. Right. I mean... Yeah, so one of the books, and to, just to touch on it real quick, one of the books that I'm reading that um, was from a fellow uh, retired law enforcement officer, and the research that they did found that the average person might experience one traumatic event right. in their right. life, where as a first responder, whether that's you know a nurse, paramedic, or whatever, experiences about eight thousand yes in their life. Big difference, right? Um, and that's another beautiful thing about jujitsu. It's it's almost therapeutic. Because you really can't think about anything else right. when you're rolling. But if you do, you're about to get choked. We had an awesome <laughs> um, podcast with uh, We Fight, We Defy Foundation. Um, I forget what his name was. Anyways, Tim Kreutzer. Yeah. And um, we were talking about the benefits of jiu-jitsu for PTSD and mm-hmm. mental health. And that was something we really talked about was you cannot think about anything else. No. You don't have. You can't think about your day. You can't think about tomorrow. How, how much money is in your bank account? You know, you, you're purely in the moment, and you are in control of your destiny mm-hmm. with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else controls the outcome right. other than yourself. Right. Like you choose to tap. Right. At any point, you yeah. you have control. Whereas in your everyday life or in your job, you may not have had control. Yeah, there's not a lot of outside influences when you're rolling with somebody. No. There's one other there's one. one. And right. your whole objective is to, to negate that. Um, so, yeah, it's been super therapeutic for me. Um, and just one more shout-out to um, Adopt-A-Cop BJJ because there are a lot of people who use the excuse of, um, I can't afford it right. or, or right. whatever, and this gives that option. They are a 5013C. Um but they, they provide, you know, free training for law enforcement or discounted for law enforcement. And it's super so. easy, guys. If, if, yes, it is. If you're interested, um, find an affiliate school. Um, we're one. Um, and usually, even if you don't want to go the sponsorship route, a lot of us um, will give you the discount anyways. Yeah, and not only that, the cool thing about it is it links up with other schools, like if you go traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I've gone down on the Keys, and I found an affiliate gym down there and just for a drop-in. Right. And they're cool with it. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, 
you know. Yeah, thanks for letting us play with your equipment. It was super cool. Yeah, for sure. I got yeah. a shopping list now. <laughs> yeah, so we'll do some. Uh, My voice sounds. We'll put up a link amazing. for donations for you guys to get some equipment. <laughs> so. Class is about to begin. Yep. All right. We're gonna go play jujitsu. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We don't. We don't play. Okay. Jiu-jitsu. Some of us play. <laughs> <laughs> I survive <laughs> with style. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Submission Coalition podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe us on your favorite platform to make sure you don't miss out on any of our newest interviews. And be sure to check out our back catalog of incredible guests. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and keep your eye out for our YouTube channel coming soon. Special thanks to our sponsors, Pretty Dangerous Women's Jiu-Jitsu, Cards Against Consciousness, the first jiu-jitsu training card game of its kind that we know of. Special shout out to Dark Wolf MMA, and all of our fellow werewolves for your support. And last but not least, we've got merch coming out soon so you can proudly represent that you're a member of the coalition. And remember, there are no jazz hands in jiu-jitsu, only spear fingers. See ya.